Hi, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The going down, 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 down edition as we take an in-depth look back at the Bengals' eighth straight loss to begin the season, a 24-10 defeat in London to the L.A. Rams. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room comments from players and coaches, and Dave Lapham will join me for post-game analysis. Plus, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, we'll meet the person under the pads as I'll talk to a wide receiver who seems to make a spectacular catch every single week, Auden Tate. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since flight attendants. I spend a lot of time on planes, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for flight attendants, especially after an eight-hour flight in the middle of the night back from London. While most of the passengers slept, the flight attendants stayed awake, served a couple of meals, brought the drink cart through the cabin several times, cleaned up after everybody, and did it all with a smile. So here's to all of the flight attendants who do what they can to put the friendly in the friendly skies. Now let's get to this week's game. In recent weeks, Zach Taylor has faced abundant criticism over his heavy use of 11 personnel. In case you're not familiar with the universal numbering lingo in football, the first digit is for the number of running backs on the field, and the second digit is for the number of tight ends. So, 11 personnel is one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. And the Bengals have used that grouping more than any other team in football this year. It obviously hasn't been working very well, and on Sunday at Wembley Stadium, the Bengals decided to mix things up they made frequent use of multiple tight ends, and it had two positive effects. Number one, Tyler Eifert was a big weapon in the passing game. Dalton looks to throw his pass nice. over the middle, caught near midfield by Tyler Eifert, and Tyler Eifert makes it to the Rams. 42-yard line for a huge gain on third down and five and an IHOP first down. Eifert finished with six catches for 74 yards, but that wasn't the biggest positive. Having Eifert and C.J. Uzama on the field at the same time brought the Bengals' anemic rushing attack to life. The Bengals come out with double tight ends, but Eifert detaches and goes out wide to the right. Here's a run up the middle, Mixon breaking nice. tackles as he sprints forward between the hash marks for a first down gain. He runs for 11 out to the 36, Ooh. and it's an IHOP first down. Man, oh man, David Long Jr., you are a junior because the senior, Mixon just ran you over. Mixon ran for 53 yards on 10 carries in the first half, and for a quarter and a half, the Bengals went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the high-powered Rams. First and 10 at the Bengals, 31. Goff back to throw, throws over the middle. It is caught at the five-yard line, and Reynolds takes it into the end zone for a Rams touchdown. That Jared Goff touchdown pass gave the Rams a 10-3 lead in the second quarter. The Bengals answered with a 75-yard drive to tie the game. Second and goal, just short of the one-yard line. Dalton is under center. Everybody bunched in tight. Stanley Morgan goes in motion from left to right. Now motions back to the left. They fake Got it him. him. They throw Got it to him. Mixon. He Woo! leaps. He catches it. 
Touchdown, yeah. Bengals, as Dalton floats one to Mixon at the goal line for a Bengals touchdown. That was career touchdown pass number 197 for the Red Rifle, pulling him even with Ken Anderson for the Bengals' all-time franchise record. But the tie score only lasted for one minute and 21 seconds. Cooper Cup goes in motion, they give it to him, now they pitch it back to Goff for a flea flicker, throws for Cup, wide open, the Bengals defender falls down, Cooper Cup sprinting down the far sideline, and he will take it to the house Unreal. for a Rams touchdown. That 65-yard touchdown gave the Rams a 17-10 halftime lead, and get these first half numbers for wide receiver Cooper Cup. He had five catches, and they went for gains of 21, 25, 31, 23, and 65. That's 165 yards in the half. On the opening drive of the third quarter, Cup added catches of 15 and 40 to finish with seven grabs for 220 yards. Several of those catches came with Tony McRae in coverage. I talked to him about it after the game. I could have competed well better against them than I did today. He shouldn't have. He shouldn't have had the yardage he had, but he worked for it, so kudos to Coop. Anything about him in particular that makes him so tough? Smart player. Understands what you're doing to him. He's a vet guy, you can tell. He, he, he He's not only a good athlete, he understands the game. You are visibly down about the outcome today, and it's understandable why. Uh, are you taking this one especially hard personally? Yeah, um... I feel like I prepared well, just didn't execute the way I should have executed today. Whenever you take a loss, you look at yourself, and I'm looking at myself right now. McRae's honesty is commendable, but Cooper Cup's huge game wasn't all his fault. I asked Dave Lapham why Cincinnati could not cover Cup. I think the Bengals were their own worst enemy in a lot of cases with uh, bad discipline in their zone coverages. He had huge cavities. I mean, a guy like that coming into the game with over 50 catches, he was second in the NFL and he was fifth in yards. So, you know, it's not like you know that he can't make plays. So for him to be uh, as open as he was at times, and you know, his Bengals hurt themselves. But the guy is a great player. Shoot, he's fast, he's got hands, I mean, he's smart, catches the heck out of the football. And like I said, uh, <laughs> coming in, he was in the top five in both categories and second in catches. So you don't, you don't want to... You don't want to have a guy like that, you know, get off on you like he did because you know he was capable of it coming into the game based on his prior stats. So the Rams were up by seven at the half, and heading into the game, Los Angeles was 21-0 and with a halftime lead under Sean McVay. The key to that stat is adding to halftime leads which the Rams did on their opening drive of the third quarter. Sean McVay covering his mouth with his play sheet as he describes what he wants into the helmet radio of Goff. It's a toss sweep to the left and Gurley down to the five toward the pylon. Touchdown, Rams. That made it 24 to 10, and that was it for the Rams' offense. They punted on their final four drives of the game. Unfortunately, the Bengals couldn't capitalize. Third down and seven, the Bengals at their own 24. Dalton catches Ooh. the shotgun snap, and he's sacked. He'll drop back to throw. Andy will be sacked by Aaron Donald, who pile drives him into the Wembley turf for a loss of three. Dalton uh -oh. under pressure, uh -oh. and he will be sacked for the fifth time today. 
back at the 28-yard line. Down by 14 with a little more than five minutes to go, the Bengals had one last good chance to make it a game, but they needed a touchdown on fourth and goal from the Rams' six. Empty backfield for Andy Dalton, who waits at the 11-yard line for the shotgun snap. Quick throw, slant, it is caught, and the tackle is made. The Bengals will not convert. Tackle made at the three-yard line, and the Bengals on the pass to Stanley Morgan Jr. do not get in. That was the sixth time this year that the Bengals have driven into the red zone without scoring a single point. Before the game was finished, they made it seven times. From the nine-yard line, final play of the game, Dalton looking to throw, scrambling to the right, eyes in the end zone, cocks the arm, throws into the back of the end zone, batted away, intended for Auden Tate. And the game is over. The Bengals remain winless. They are 0-8 for the sixth time in franchise history. They fall to the Rams today by the final score of 24-10. Dalton finished with 329 passing yards, and the Bengals ran for 104. That's roughly twice what they've been getting on the ground per game. But the combination of Goff to Cup killed them. Time to hear from head coach Zach Taylor, who spent three minutes with Lap after the game. Got the running game going a little bit in the, in the first half, and uh, um, you know you're using your multiple tight end packages, and they were trying to figure out how to how to match up with it. And you guys you guys gassed them a few times. We did. You know that was encouraging. Um, I thought our guys up front did a great job. Backs backs knew where to hit it. We're doing an excellent job there, and then tight ends factored in as well. But that was certainly a good start to the first half. So. Um, Obviously, they, they, they didn't run the ball real well, but Goff started taking advantage of the middle of the field. It looked like quite a few times in Cooper Cup. You know all about these guys. I mean, that guy's he, he's something special, isn't he? They are. They got a bunch of talented players, and that's why they went to the Super Bowl last year. They got a lot of faith in them, and, um, you know, it, it, it works together. You know, we got to make sure we put pressure on there and collapse the pocket so that he doesn't have the time to throw it down the field. And um, there were some times we had some poor zone discipline there on the back end, and we got to do a better job there. Had a couple of interception opportunities in a game like this. When they're there, you gotta you gotta catch them, right? You can't let them you can't let them slip through your hands. Those can be the difference in winning and losing. You know, we gotta create some turnovers, and and we certainly had some opportunities there. And guys gotta step up and make those plays. Those those can be touchdowns the other way, big explosives, you know, game changing plays, and we gotta find a way to make them. Alex Erickson ends up with uh, six catches for. Uh, 97 yards, including that 52-yarder up the sideline. Tyler Reifert, six catches for 74 yards. So there was some distribution of the football, and Tate made some big plays for you. They took the touchdown away there at the end of the football game. But uh, it looked like, you know, Andy had a, he set a record for 300-yard passing days. He was 30, 35 for 52, 329 yards and a touchdown. So you guys were moving the football. We were just too many red zone opportunities that got away from us. You know, we the two we ended up inside the ten at the end of the game with no points and situations we had to go for on fourth down. Three points wasn't going to help us there. And then we had plenty of times there on the red zone fringe where uh, we went backwards and either got knocked out of field goal range or took ourselves out of fourth and go for it situation. So that was hard. That's the difference in winning and losing. And that one drive, I think you had four straight fourth down conversions. I mean, you just kept kept going for it and and making the uh, the conversions. Except like you said, when it was in the deep in the deep red zone and. Um, you know, that, that obviously becomes a, a different dynamic a little bit. Yeah, our guys had a lot of confidence in what we were asking them to do. And, and so when you, you feel that energy, um, there's situations where we felt like we needed to go for it to give ourselves the best chance to win the game, and our guys stepped up and executed. I uh, played on a team that started 0-8 coach in the, in the late 70s, and our mindset at the bye, there wasn't really a bye, but at the halfway point, we said, okay, 
didn't go right in the first half. So that's one season that's over with. Let's start the second half and make this the second season and see if we can win some football games. We ended up winning half of them, went four and four. Is, is that kind of the mindset now? It is, you know, and, and we still got to take it one game at a time, starting with a, a divisional game at home, which is which is one we certainly want to get after they got us on the road. And uh, the bye week comes at the right time. You know, we get a chance to get some guys healthy, get our depth back, and make a charge here in the second half of the season. And, and I know our guys are believing that we're, we're close, we're there, we can we can break through this barrier, man, and start winning a lot of football games. And, and we're close, we just got to get it done. Bengals are 0-8 for the first time since 0-8. In the second half of that season, they went 4-3-1 and and then won the AFC North in 2009. Now time for some post-game analysis as Dave Lapham and I discuss the Bengals' 15th loss in their last 16 games. A few things stood out to me after this game lap. Number one, too many third and long conversions for the Rams against the Bengals' defense. Number two, squandered opportunities to intercept passes unofficially three of those today and number three too much cooper cup 220 receiving yards the bengals could not stop number 18 for the rams he's the one that made a lot of those third and long plays too i mean he was he was phenomenal he had what seven catches for 220 yards over 31 yards a catch 65 yard touchdown he um he was he was magic out there particularly in the first half you know i thought that uh originally in the first half the the uh rams had some problems matching up with the two tight end formation and running game. The running game got started pretty well. Joe Mixon had over 50 yards rushing in that in that first half. And uh, and then, you know, again, kind of the circumstances of the game dictate you have to get away from that a little bit. And Andy throws it 52 times. I mean, he throws for over 300 yards to set a record for 300-yard passing games in franchise history. But, uh, you know, he much rather would run it 52 times and win the football game, I can tell you that right now. So, you know... Obviously, uh, you know, not enough, not enough points. You can't can't win in the NFL scoring 10 points. You can't win in the NFL giving up, you know, third and 10 or more as many times as occurred. And, uh, you know, that, honestly, there was uh, some some uh, discipline problems with zone coverages, you know, in the, in the back end of things that, uh, that, that caused some problems for sure. It's hard to be encouraged by a 14-point loss, but one building block for the Bengals was the fact that they outrushed the Rams. We know about that running game disparity this year that's been so bad for the Bengals. Well, they did outrush one of the NFL's better rushing teams. Yeah, they're not running it like they have in the last couple of years, but you know, I'm sure they wanted to run the ball better than they did tonight. Um, and the Bengals did show some life to that ground game, like I said, with the in the first half, particularly with the two tight ends set um, that I think you know, the Rams had to make some adjustments with a little bit and how they were going to come out and handle it. So, um, unfortunately, again, you know, too little, too little, too late kind of scenario. And the problem uh, was in the red zone again, a couple of uh, opportunities down the stretch of the game where come away with no points and a couple of red zone opportunities, one overturn, touchdown catch, and, you know, rightfully so. I mean, the, the ball did move, the ball did bounce, but was that close to being a touchdown for Auden Tate and that would have set another record for Andy Dalton if that had happened but again these records ring hollow to him if they don't win football games he'll be the first one to say that I know in fact he said it in the postgame show Zach Taylor's message to the team after the game we got to treat it like we're zero and zero go into the bye come back as if it were the first game obviously it's not but that's what they have to 
to try to put into their minds and start the second half of the season in much better form. Yeah, I mean, you just got to reboot, basically, you know, and uh, that's what everybody was, you know, echoing uh, Zach's comments, in the, you know, after the game in the post-game locker room. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I mentioned to Zach when I talked to him, I said, I, I've been there. I, I lived it. I was on an 0-8 team, and we basically said, all right, there was no bye week back then, but we said we're at the halfway point hasn't worked out. We gotta put that aside. That season's over with. It was the worst season we ever experienced. Let's start a second season and uh, see what we can do. And we ended up four and four and his response was that's exactly what we're talking about doing. But you know, we're not looking at eight games and overall eight game record. We gotta we gotta go beat the Baltimore Ravens who is a division opponent and they spanked us in Baltimore and we wanna we wanna get off and you know off on the right track to start the second half of the season with a division win and you know that's the mindset you have to take and right now during the bye week, I think uh, as much as try to get healthy physically, you got to get healthy mentally and come back with that frame of mind. And, and, you know, maybe they'll start to get some players back that they desperately need to add to their depth, you know. And um, some guys have played more snaps than they thought they would probably in the first half of the season. If they get some guys returning, that could be uh, beneficial down the stretch. How did they handle Aaron Donald, in your opinion? I thought I thought pretty well. I mean, he had the one the one big you know tackle for loss, but I, I think uh, it takes a village to handle him, and I think they recruited everybody in the village. You know, I think everybody had a had a hand in it, and um, you know, it, even even when you with that said, when you're doing that, it creates one on ones for Fowler and other guys that just you know Brockers. They all take advantage of their opportunities when they. Uh, they love having a teammate like Aaron Donald that's going to, every time you come to the line of scrimmage, you have to identify him, the quarterback. Everybody has to identify him and make sure you get four hands and four eyes on the guy. Prior to that game lap, we were standing on the pitch, as they would say, at Wembley Stadium and watched A.J. Green go through a pretty aggressive workout. I suspect he'll be back for the next game against Baltimore. What do you think? I do, too. I mean, I think so. And, you know, I think there's a, there's a laundry list of guys that uh, might be able to come back, you know, when you look at it, uh, Darquez Denard with the hamstring, maybe that's aggressive, depending on the severity of the hamstring and where it's pulled. The higher up the hamstring, the worse the issue is. So we're not sure about that. Drake Patch with his knee, Carl Lawson with his hamstring, John Miller with the groin. I mean, there's a, there's a few guys that uh, you know might be able to make their way back. So obviously the depth will be significantly better uh, down the stretch to start getting some of these guys back. And uh, you know they're obviously real good football players. Other guys have probably played uh, snaps that they weren't expecting necessarily to play in the positions that they're playing them in, but that's just going to add to the overall depth of the football team for the second half of the season. And during the bye week, man, it's a two-step process. You get yourself physically right, you know, with treatment and rest and mentally right. You know, you got to get your mind right to come back and turn it around in the second half of the season and, uh, and get some W's, get some victories under their belts. The Bengals have had five previous 0-8 starts in their history. On four of the five previous times it happened, they won game number nine. So we'll see if they can do it this time around. Back home at Paul Brown Stadium against the Ravens in a couple of weeks. The Ravens are 5-2 and two and currently have a two-and-a-half game lead in the AFC North over Pittsburgh. The 2-4 and four Steelers have a home game on Monday night against the winless Dolphins. Now time for this week's Fun Facts interview where we get to know the person under the pads. This week, it's a member of last year's rookie class who has to be among the NFL leaders in spectacular catches so far this season. Time for some Fun Facts with wide receiver Auden Tate. 
born in South Carolina, but went to high school and college in Florida. When people ask you where you're from, what do you say? From uh, Irmo, South Carolina. I uh, live in uh, Tampa Bay, partially, but from Irmo, South Carolina. Why did you move to Florida when you were a kid? Uh, my dad's a uh, pastor. He wanted to uh, start a church down in Tampa Bay. You're 6'5". Were you always the tallest kid in the neighborhood? Uh, no, nah, I ain't hit my growth spurts probably about ninth grade. Before that, I played like running back and point guard and stuff like that. I figured you must have played basketball at some level. Mm-hmm. Were you good or just tall? No, nah, I was uh, I was good in uh, high school and uh, middle school. Going all up. I didn't get to play my senior year. I tore my LCL, but my junior year stuff, I was like all county. And we went to state my uh, sophomore year, so I was I was pretty pretty <laughs> all right, pretty straight. We're talking to Auden Tate. You were one of the most heavily recruited wide receivers in the country when you were a senior in high school. What's your best story about a famous coach showing up at your school or showing up at your house? I'd probably say um, when uh, Harbaugh, when, uh, he left the uh, 49ers and went down to Michigan. Like I think it was like a couple weeks later, he was at my house. No, he was at my uh, school, like at the uh, schoolhouse. It was just weird because I just – Remember him from the 49ers, and, you know, now he's at Michigan. That was just kind of crazy to me at that moment. What did the other kids say? Uh, they was A lot of people just trying to get, like, pictures and autographs with them because they <laughs> remember them, too, from when they went to Super Bowl that year and all that stuff. We're doing Fun Facts with Auden Tate. Do you remember what college reached out to you first and how that felt? USF, University of South Florida. got my first scholarship before I think it was Alonzo game my junior year. I remember that, yeah. Pretty exciting? Yeah, definitely. Knowing that my parents ain't had to worry about no college fun, yeah. You went to Florida State and played for Jimbo Fisher. I got to know him when he was the offensive coordinator at the University mm-hmm. of Cincinnati, and he could be pretty rough on guys yeah. back then. Describe your relationship with him when you were playing for Florida State. Like I say, yeah, he's very, like, intense. You could kind of use, I won't say ferocious, but he's very <laughs> – Intense when he on the field. When he about his business. He about his business. So, yeah, we. I mean, we had a good uh, relationship. I definitely had growing pains at first. You know, just trying to be accountable and more mature and stuff like that. But growing up more and more, like throughout the years, I started to see like more stuff like that. So I think we we had a great relationship. You spent three years with the Seminoles. Your final year, you led the ACC in touchdown catches and did it despite playing much of the year with a separated shoulder. Mm-hmm. How did you manage the pain? To be honest, uh, I'd say just uh, seeing my uh, other brothers out there, my other teammates from Florida State, you know, we had a good bond when I was there. So, you know, seeing them boys out there, I just want to do everything in my power to get out there, you know, whether I was in pain or whatever, just find a way to make an impact. Was that a situation where you would dread a hit to that shoulder? Oh, yeah, definitely. I got hit a couple of times, especially Miami game. I was getting hit a lot in it. But, you know, it's just, it is what it is. The adrenaline kind of running, so you just kind of roll with it. We're doing fun facts with Auden Tate. The Bengals drafted you in the seventh round. Mm-hmm. Was your phone ringing off the hook from teams thinking that maybe you wouldn't get picked and they could try to sign you as an undrafted free agent? Um, yeah, I was like actually in the process. I was about to go to the Eagles on an uh, undrafted contract thing. I was like, like really like about to be on the way, and then I got that call from uh, the Bengals. When you did get that call from the Bengals, who was the most excited person in the room? Probably my mom. Probably my, yeah, probably my mom and my dad. They were probably the most too excited. Were the tears flowing? Yeah, yeah, for them, yeah. And for you, did it represent the culmination of all the hard work and everything you had done up until that point? 
Yeah, it did. Kind of felt like I got slighted to with my uh, 40 yard dash and then my shoulder injury, but you know, still hearing my name calls, you know, just a blessing. A lot of people don't. You're only in your second year, so you haven't made the really big bucks yet. Mm-hmm. But what do you like to spend your money on? Movies. 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 I'm always at the movies. And I prefer to go to the movies rather than, you know, get it on DVD. I like the experience, just going there, get my popcorn, icy, <laughs> sitting down and just watching a movie. So, yeah, movies, definitely. I'm with you. There's nothing like being in that darkened room exactly. with a big screen and you can zone everything out, right? Yes, exactly. I love it. I'm probably going to be there right after practice. <laughs> Do you have a couple of all-time favorites? Uh, ATL, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. And then Joker was real good, too. I was surprised. His performance, that was real good, too. If you could meet anybody in history, actor, athlete, politician, religious figure, whatever, who would that person be? I'd probably say Denzel Washington. He just seemed real insightful, smart, very self-aware about things. I just want to, like, just ride with him, see where he at, how he think. The best walk in the world, the Denzel Washington strut. There's Uh, something about his walk, I think, that's very unique. It's the training day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great role right yeah. there. All right. Do you have a talent, a hidden talent that is not related to sports? Um, I used to like to read a lot, high school, college. I don't do it as much no more. But, I mean, that was it. I don't really got too many other hidden ones. I'm pretty much open book. On the flip side, is there something that you are just terrible at that you could admit, you know what, I'm awful at that thing? Hitting the baseball. I'm good. I was good at, like, catching and all that stuff, but hitting it, I don't know. I don't think I ever hit it. Makes you feel any better? I saw LeBron James take batting practice once when he was still in Cleveland. He was terrible. Couldn't get it out of the cage. Yeah. I was missing it. At least he hit it. (laughs) All right. Final fun fact for Auden Tate. Your Twitter handle is Lil Tate. You're not little. What's the story behind Lil Tate? I don't know. Yeah, it's a big contradiction considering I'm kind of – a more bigger figure. I don't know, to be honest. A few people just started, like, calling me that. And then, like, I just kind of just stuck with it, to be honest. That's crazy because it is, like, a big contradiction, but I just roll with it. It's got to appreciate the irony. Yep, yep. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Best of luck going forward. Yes, I appreciate it. That's Auden Tate. We want to remind you to come out and join us at an on-location radio show this week. On Friday afternoon, Buffalo Wings and Rings in Liberty Township will host the Bengals Pep Rally Show, and it's a half hour earlier than usual. The show will run from 2.30 to 5.30. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe, and if you have a moment, give it a rating or share a comment. Five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.